electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Bring in show music, please. Hi, I'm CNBC producer Katie Kramer. Today on Squawk Pod. Soft landing or recession? Where will rate hikes and a better-than-expected GDP number land us? Real estate mogul Barry Sternlicht reading our economic fortunes. You're going to have a recession third or fourth quarter. The consumer's sort of out of dough. Where we're headed and how we got here. This is the fastest increase in rates in history. M2, our money supply, has never been negative in 70 years. I mean, this is a tight, tight financial market out there. That extended conversation today, plus Tesla's record revenue, Donald Trump getting back on social media, Chevron's big buyback, and IBM's the latest firm to cut its workforce. But it isn't all bad news, really. They're not really seeing business slow down. They weren't one of the companies that saw huge extremes during COVID. It's Thursday, January 26th. Squawk Pod begins right now. Stand back you by in three, two, one, cue please. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Squawk Box here on CNBC. We are live from the NASDAQ market site in Times Square. I'm Becky Quick, along with Joe Kernan and Andrew Ross Sorkin. And Andrew, welcome back. Thank you. It's nice to interview you today. You've been tired of, of, yeah. of carrying your water. <laughs> carry, carry my water? You got a Without feed me, you missed Yeah. Me. You missed it did. It's dead. Okay. In it was, it's to a get, heavy <laughs> earnings season. Lots going on. And in addition to getting up at 3.30, then splitting everything in half, I mean, we're not complaining, but uh, yes, welcome, we welcome, <laughs> welcome yes, back. Yes, we are. First up today on the podcast, the U.S. economy wrapped up 2022, a year of a lot of turbulence and uncertainty, in pretty solid shape. Fourth quarter gross domestic product, the sum of all the goods and services produced by the U.S. economy, rose at a 2.9 percent annualized pace in the last three months of the year. That's slightly better, about one-tenth of one percent than expectations. This number, the rate of the economy's growth, has become a key point for investors. In 2021, we were still in the throes of a global pandemic. Yet, U.S. GDP rose at its strongest pace since 1984, boom times. The first two quarters of 2022, however, showed negative growth, which is typically what defines a recession. But a consumer eager to spend and a strong labor market pushed the second half to positive growth. So maybe we're out of the woods? Well, inflation, while it's backed off of its highs from last summer, still persists. A series of aggressive interest rate hikes from the Federal Reserve are expected to impact the economy this year. The Fed raised its key benchmark borrowing rate by four and a quarter percentage points in the last 11 months or so. And it's expected to do another quarter percentage point at its next meeting next week. But in some sectors of the economy, profits are still booming. Chevron plans a uh, $75 billion buyback. That is substantial and triple the size of its previous authorization unveiled in 2019. It's also hiking its dividend by nine cents uh, a share to $1.51. The oil giant making this announcement ahead of its earnings report, which is expected uh, tomorrow morning. I don't know what this, you know, we had Amos Hochstein on yesterday. Well, we went through a pandemic and we're, we're growing back. And what has the president said on that, Joe? He has called on the oil companies to spend those record profits 
and to increase their capex, not just on stock buybacks, but to increase it actually in investment into production. So he's calling on increased production. They kind of are not real pleased when the majors use some of the, what they would call windfall profits for buybacks. Yeah, I, I, this is going to It's going to be politically. But then again, they would say, we're not, we're no longer the way we were 20 years ago. And we, we because of the uncertain future for fossil fuels, we're returning more cash to shareholders. Well, Chevron can also say at the same time that they have increased their production in right. the United States, the strongest right. they've ever produced in the United States. But they, they now have to pay a 1% tax, don't they? On the, on the buybacks. Right. Yeah. right. Well, for, that's for Schwartzman and, and the other guys that still get the David Rubenstein. Yeah, we had to do that because you're not, we didn't, we got rid of carried interest. Somebody got to cinema. Remember? I do, but I'm saying that's going to impact that them did, more than Why didn't you, do you make all these phone calls? What, what the hell happened there? I still don't know. I've told you. We've talked about this. I know, but why nauseam. don't you know? Is they, are they clamming up when you're trying to find out? How did that... Sort of, yeah. <laughs> Nobody will give you a straight answer. Nobody will give you a straight answer. Because that was going to happen, carried interest, finally. And instead, they, at the last minute, they switched to the, the buyback day. Kristen Cinema. He's got big future in private equity and hedge funds. Big future. Perhaps, right? It's possible. <laughs> IBM reporting results after the bell. The tech giant posting stronger than expected revenue, and that was driven by its software and infrastructure business. Full year revenue came in nearly $3 billion more compared to a year ago. On top of those results, IBM also announcing some layoffs. 3,900 employees, which account for about 1.5% of its workforce. IBM shares are down by about 2% this morning. I, I did get the chance to speak with Arvind Krishna, the CEO, yesterday about some of these numbers. And what was interesting, you know, he had said back in October that he expected to see some weakness in Europe. That never really materialized. They had a strong quarter, especially leading into the end of December. I think numbers were very strong. Some big deals came through. Their free cash flow was a little lighter than he had been predicting at that point, but that's because some of these big deals got done at the very end of December. So that helped the revenue number, but the free cash flow obviously isn't going to be helped until this year with some of those things that came through. They are doing 3,900 layoffs, but he also said that they'd be doing thousands of hirings through the course of the year because they're not really seeing business slow down. They weren't one of the companies that saw huge extremes during COVID and um, with pandemic numbers coming in, so they didn't have the same sort of hiring frenzy, but they are anticipating doing thousands of hires this year, both in consulting and infrastructure, because he says those businesses are doing well, but we'll see how it continues to play out. Stock's down this morning. He feels pretty good about the business. $120 billion company now. You would expect, uh, you know, it's, I mean, I would certainly not call it Big Blue. No, I, I think Krishna has done a good job turning Medium around blue. the mess that he was kind of handed. Tiny Blue? <laughs> At, just the former Blue. Just I mean, Blue. Blue. I mean, Microsoft's almost $2 trillion. Yeah. So 100, 100. Kind of little Blue. Let's talk about uh, Big Tesla, by the way, because this actually I thought it was good news. Yeah. I know that some people thought it was mixed, but I thought it was better than that. Uh, Tesla reporting better than expected results after the bell. Elon Musk making some comments on the call. Want to get to Phil LeBeau. I listened to that call, Phil. I thought it was fascinating to hear what he had to say. And I think it was one of the better calls that we've heard from Tesla and from Elon Musk over the last couple of years. Some of these calls have been real duds. Sometimes they can be confrontation between Elon and the analyst. 
It was fairly upbeat yesterday. Key numbers to look at when you look at yesterday's report. They beat on the top of the bottom line. Record profits for the fourth quarter. Record quarterly profits for Tesla, as well as record quarterly revenues of 37% in the fourth quarter. But the gross auto margin is getting a lot of attention. It came down much lower than people were expecting, coming in at 24.3%. The street was at 26.2%. Remember, some of that is because they cut prices in China to stoke demand. Here's Musk on the call last night talking about what they're seeing right now with demand. Demand far exceeds production. Um, and uh, we actually are um, making some, some small price uh, increases as a result. The other stat that, or, or statistic that came out or projection that came out from Tesla yesterday is what it expects to do in terms of deliveries this year. Now, last year they delivered 1.31 million vehicles. They're expecting right now the guidance is to deliver 1.8 million this year. You do the math, that's coming in at less than 40% growth, not the long-term projection which they are sticking by, which is to average annual growth of 50%, which means they would have to be closer to 2 million vehicles this year. Musk on the call was asked about that. Here's what he had to say. Our internal production potential is actually closer to 2 million vehicles, but we, uh, you know, we're saying 1.8 because, I don't know, there just always seems to be some friggin' force majeure thing that happens somewhere on Earth. <laughs> and, uh, you know, we don't control if there's like earthquakes, tsunamis, wars, you know, pandemics, uh, etc. As you take a look at shares of Tesla, that is Elon Musk's way of saying, yeah, maybe we can get up to two million. But that's not the guidance. The official guidance right now, 1.8 million vehicles this year and shares moving up more than 7 percent this morning, guys. Phil, I remember listening to that line and thinking to myself, if you're an analyst, though, doing math, are you that may not be the official line, but are you taking your number up to two million? Hard to say. Look, I think that some of the analysts were already close to two million. They may bring down their guidance or their their projections a little bit based on Tesla's guidance. I'm not sure they're going to adjust it a ton. I think you still have people uh, on Wall Street who had it at one point nine, one point nine five. They are likely to keep it close to that. And in terms of margin. And and, and how much? I mean, it sounds like he thinks he's going to be able to bring prices up again. How quickly do you think that happens? Uh, well, they've, they've had some very incremental, very small price increases since they put the price cuts in place just within the last couple of weeks. Right. Look, I think they've always had fairly fluid pricing on the Model Y and the Model 3 in particular, where it has moved up and down a few thousand dollars. Uh, and you will occasionally hear from people saying, well, it went up a couple thousand or it came down a couple thousand. So that, that doesn't, that's not a huge surprise. What I do think, Andrew, is that big cut that we saw at the beginning of this year to bring the Model Y under the threshold that would make it qualify for EV tax credits once those are all finalized, I'm not sure we're going to see another big cut like that again. There's plenty of demand out there if you listen to this conference call. Uh, Elon Musk was, I wouldn't say super bullish, but he was pretty optimistic. All right. Phil Abel, thank you. We're going to continue our Elon Musk conversation because there's some new, other Elon Musk news this morning. There is. Musk is also said to be exploring ways to pay down his Twitter debt. The Wall Street Journal reporting that the billionaire has held talks with investors about raising up to $3 billion to repay some of the $13 billion in debt that's related to the buyout of the company. People familiar with the matter say that those talks were about selling Twitter shares. Again, that's according to the Wall Street Journal, but he does have some big 
payments that are due, and I think $3 billion of that is at the highest level. It's at something like 10% plus the discount rate, which would right. put you close to 15%. That's the part that they want to get rid of very quickly. Well, the question is, can he buy? I would be trying to buy down the debt. That's what I've been talking about the whole time, which is there are banks that are sitting with this stuff at 50%, 60 cents on the dollar, and if he could actually take that out, that's actually a much better way to do it. I think Fidelity just wrote down what they have backed on it, something like 56 cents on the dollar. Right. So, you know, if you, if you could buy some of that debt back, that, that solves a lot of your problems pretty quickly. Although you still have to sh- sell shares to do that. Feeling right? all right? Are you okay? Um, you, you got know. a little hangover? St- I mean, a hangover from the sickness? A little, little bit. A little, nope. little bit. Here you're coughing over there. A little bit. Meantime, former President uh, Donald Trump, uh, yeah. he's going to be allowed back on Facebook and Instagram. You have accounts on Facebook and Instagram. You know yeah. I don't. I know you don't. Parent company Meta will restate its accounts, uh, reinstate its accounts uh, in the coming weeks after a two-year suspension following the January 6th Capitol Hill riot. That is president of global affairs saying, quote, the public should be able to hear what their politicians are saying, the good, the bad, and the ugly, so that they can make informed choices at the ballot box. Yep. Clegg with two Gs. I saw him being interviewed yesterday. He just was very matter-of-fact about, about the decision. I'm monitoring uh, Rob Reiner uh, on Twitter. I, I thought he was not, he couldn't resist. 17 hours ago, he did, uh, he did tweet. Uh, but prior to that, it had been January 24th. And prior to that, January 24th, he's, I mean, he's trying. He's trying his best, but he gets, I, I just think he can't help himself. But uh, I don't know if his head's exploded or what, but uh, keep, I'm keeping an eye on that. Do you follow him? I I'll think, bet you do. I, I think it's better <laughs> to keep an eye on President Trump He's not, on, he's not back on Not yet, yet, but, you know, as things Well, go. but then, keeping an eye on him, then you should, you also need to keep an eye on Rob Reiner after that, just, just for entertainment. Next, on Squawk Pod, real estate mogul and investor Barry Sternlicht. In a special interview, he's got a warning about the economy in 2023, dark clouds ahead. All real estate people and all corporations are finishing their plants. We didn't stop construction. We're not doing new ones. So as these projects finish, you will see massive layoffs in the commercial construction markets. From their innovative practice facility to unmatched views from the fairway, the PGA of America is helping lower scores and elevate fan experiences with 5G solutions from T-Mobile for Business. Together, we're using AI-powered analytics to expand coaching tools and bringing fans closer to the pros with 5G-connected cameras. This is game-changing innovation. This is the PGA of America with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at T-Mobile.com slash now. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. Welcome back to Squawk Pod. 
The rest of today's podcast is devoted to a wide-ranging conversation with real estate mogul Barry Sternlicht. His firm, Starwood Capital, has over $60 billion under management, and he runs the largest commercial REIT, or real estate investment trust in the country. Sternlicht joins us every couple of months or so, and for his last few appearances, he has been pretty consistent. The Fed has been on the wrong path. Their rate-raising frenzy, he's argued, was too much, too late. I am uh, sort of losing my, I'm losing my proverbial with the Fed. I mean, I, I think this is an academic institution that was so late raising rates when everyone said the economy was out of control. There was pure speculation in the stock market. We were seeing crazy behavior that, and they did nothing. And of course, with billions of dollars and around 115 million apartments under his watch, Sternlicht has been eyeing the housing market and the market market closely. Here he is again in September. The economy is breaking hard. 500,000 single-family home sales, new sales, is the lowest since 1952. I mean, we're going to see, you're going to have a major crash in the housing market. And housing prices are going down. You are seeing housing prices correct. They've already took $7 trillion of wealth out of the stock market. I mean, the market is doing what it's supposed to do. We're we're actually breaking the market hard, and it's taking the, the excess out. So is the economy in 2023 still breaking hard? Here's Becky, Joe, and Andrew getting Barry Sternlich's latest economic outlook. Last few times we've seen you, you have pounded the table about how the Fed was really making a mistake by continuing to raise rates and raise rates so rapidly without waiting to pause and look around. What do you think with what you've seen so far? Because the economy looks okay at this point. Uh, Well, I'm not, I still agree with what I used to say. I mean, I think there's 150 economists that advised Jerome Powell, and these are the same people that said inflation would be transient. And um, the dots were supposed to be 0.66 in December, according to them, a year ago, December of 22, and they were four and a half. So um, I think they're making the same. They, you know, they, they actually showed up to the party so late. They let speculation go wild with zero rates. They're even buying corporate bonds way into what was already a recovery. And today, you know, as they continue to push on, on rates, they, they seem hell-bent on changing the labor market, right, to lower wages. And... I think that's, that's awful. I think what the benefit of a tight labor market is wage growth. We wanted the middle class to, and the lower income people to do well and to push them into unemployment. So I've been focusing on like how are they going to succeed. There's the jolt state of the jobs that are open. There's 10 million, 10 and a half million jobs in November. That's normally four and a half to five. So they have to get through five million job openings have to go away. And then they have to reduce unemployment by a point or two. And that's another three million jobs. With interest rates, you're going to fine tune the economy so that you can somehow figure out how to lose eight million jobs. So I went back and looked at 07, 08, 09, right? Where were the job losses in the great financial crisis? We lost a million four manufacturing jobs. And we're going to lose some manufacturing jobs because rates have gone up and, and things like cars and everything are less uh, dishwashers. But a million construction jobs were lost. That was a number two category. You're going to see that this time, but you haven't seen it yet because I'm building, I'm, all real estate people and all corporations are finishing their plants. We didn't stop construction because he, in, he increased interest rates a quarter You're just point. not doing new ones. We're not doing new ones. We just sat down to look at a project we have in Fort Lauderdale and said it doesn't pencil, we're gonna just wait. 
So as these projects finish, you will see massive layoffs in the commercial construction markets. And companies who delay the investment in plants, you saw your Chevron buyback, they could be drilling wells, they're just going to buy back stock because the cost of capital has gone up. So he will get that, but he should be focusing, and the government should be focusing on increasing the supply of labor. Because uh, in conversations with I mean, but that's with the not Fed, really something the Fed can do. Yes, there, the Fed what? can help there. So, well, politicians can help first fix immigration. Immigration would be the way to... We're 200,000 immigrants. We used to do a million one. You've got to fix immigration. I was in Washington on Monday. They've got to fix immigration immediately. We've got to get these worker visas fixed. There are a million eight worker visas on their desks. We've got to get that down to 800,000, let a million people back. There's the two million people left the workforce during the pandemic. It's mostly the 55 to 65. Come up with some incentive to get them back to the labor force. We need those two million people. They'll take two million of those 10 million jobs that we can figure out how to get them in those jobs. And I think also we've talked about, other guests have talked about welfare. I mean, the, the packages of welfare incentives that are offered by states, which were really put together at the time of the pandemic, they need to be looked at because there are people who are collecting welfare and working part-time jobs and hiding their income. And so we don't want to make incentives to stay on welfare. So the end of this, what really upsets me is the end game. Okay, he succeeds. And the poor guy who, we just increased the national minimum wage from 750 to nine and a quarter. Walmart yesterday went from $12 to $14. I love that. I mean, that's fantastic. That is a healthy economy. People feel like the economy is working for them. If he succeeds, and we knock 8 million people or whatever out of the workforce and they lose their jobs. Now the government is paying for them. They're on welfare again. They're on unemployment right. benefits. And they're going to vote for Bernie Sanders. They're going to say capitalism sucks. I just got this great job. I'm getting $22 cleaning this, this hotel room. I used to get 14 And they, the government, I didn't cause this problem. And they're throwing me out of my job. Because usually, it's interesting, travel is one of the first things that gets hit mm -hmm. in a recession. And... I was just playing golf with the CEO of one of the hotel companies, and I look at my own hotel book. Numbers are okay. They're actually shockingly strong. Yeah, so you got all the pent-up demand, which is offsetting so what would have been. I think companies are actually right. doing these outings because they're not in the office, and the only time they can get together is an right. outing. So they, they get everyone together in Hawaii or in Disney World or in Miami. But I do think that'll roll over, too, because that's the third area, the fourth area where unemployment could, could what can he impact with rates? Manufacturing, construction, it's coming, offset by if they ever get their act together to spend the stimulus package, the, the, trans, uh, the infrastructure bill, those are construction jobs. So maybe right. they go from you building a, houses and buildings. You think a recession comes this year? Because even yes. Larry Summers is kind of Yes, you're going to have a recession third or fourth quarter. And I, look, uh, the, the consumer's sort of out of dough. His savings rates are at all-time lows. 2.3%. That would explain the 10-year. He's on credit, credit, his credit cards, inventories, yep. this guy. It's interesting. One thing about inflation, because we talked about the supply chain, it's not totally fixed. And so if you're building a building and you can't get the generator, you've got everything else, it's no good, right? You've got to get all the supplies. And I look at what we're doing, and I'm, we're opening a hotel in Hawaii in two weeks, and we can't get this, and we can't get that, and we can't open this. We'll open part of the, and it's all because the supply chain is broken still in places. It is getting fixed, but it takes time. So inflation will subside even further as the supply chain right. continues what to evolve itself. The, the, the market doesn't believe the, the, the Fed, and there's a reason, it, it, and it's had plenty of chances oh. to say, okay, I've learned, I need to, to believe the Fed. It doesn't believe because the 10-year yes. already knows they're gonna end up cutting before and Goldman has the short rates at 360 end of the year. I mean, the, the Fed is doing, I guess, a, a job of sort of trying to scare everyone. Inflation will go negative 
negative in May or June, negative, because the biggest number in inflation is the housing equivalent number. They're point That's a big positive. prediction. You think it should go negative, negative. in June? Negative. That's the month. Negative. So we're not just 4%. Okay, I'm about 75% certain. Okay, so where Barring are you? Barring an oil spike or year, some crazy thing. End of the year, what's it look like? I mean, inflation will be, I, I like inflation to be 2, 3%. It'll be 2. You think it gets all the way down? There's a lot of people yeah. say you can get to three, but nope. then it'll just be stubborn. And You're talking well, if he does this two more. So the, the risk is he keeps going. Cheese will be next. Squawk Pod will be right back with more from Barry Sternlicht. You know, it's a rich session. It's not a recession. It's the recession of the rich. They've crushed tech. They've crushed venture. They've crushed private equity. They've crushed real estate. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. You're listening to Squawk Pod from CNBC. Stand by, Joe. His mic. Q. Good morning and welcome to Squawk Box here on CNBC, live from the NASDAQ market site in Times Square. I'm Joe Kernan, along with Becky Quick and Andrew Ross Sorkin, spending some quality, quality time, quality time, quality time, quality time uh, behind the scenes, too, with us today. Yes, uh, Starwood that's Capital true. Cha- crazy. <laughs> Starwood Capital Chairman and CEO Barry Sternlich. There is a, a market, perhaps, for a behind-the-scenes uh, behind um, show. It'd have to be on, on a network that... Allows a lot, though, wouldn't it? Uh, <laughs> well, in terms of language okay. and yeah, yeah. Um, right next to White Lotus. You, <laughs> oh. we were just talking about White we Lotus. Were, U.S. equity. He's still something. on the first season. He's still on the first season. There's things I can't unsee. I mean, right from the very beginning, it's like, is that? Oh my God, it is. Uh, you want to think like really big picture, and uh, I mean, you're going to live a long time, I think. Um, we are at 31 trillion, 120% debt to G- GDP. You're a real estate guy. You know what happens if you get like over leveraged. Uh, we got unfunded liabilities coming out the, I mean, a, a lot of those as well. So, I mean, long term, are you bullish on the prospects? And, and what, what would we need to do to, to just avert disaster? Let, let me go back for, and for then kid. we're going to go forward. All First, right. why am I confident inflation ha- has peaked? The biggest increase in last month and has remained is the renter equivalent number in the data, which was 0.8 positive. In reality, that was 0.34 negative. The lag in the housing data is just completely distorting inflation. And since rents are falling, market rents are falling month to month, not year over year, month to month, they're going this way, you will see a negative number there and it will look like energy. It'll come all the way down. So inflation will come down. And, and people who talk about keep raising rates, I hear these guys on your morning show, I want to strangle them. Volcker didn't have a $32 trillion deficit. So here's the actual interest number. The federal government spent the following amount of money the last four years on interest expense. In 2019, $375 billion, then $345, then $352, and last year $475 billion. So here were the average interest rates those years. They were 
uh, five in 2020, 0.1 in 2021, that's the average, these are LIBOR SOFA rates. In 22, they're 1.9%. This year, they'll be four and a half, five percent. Five percent of 30 trillion. We'll be up to a trillion dollars. A trillion plus dollars. On interest. And on interest. And that's, that's, so the budget that the White House put out has a $400 billion number that didn't, actually, they didn't update it for today's interest rates. This is their November number out of the White House, which is where they put the 1.7 trillion the, the fiscal the fiscal spending. So what he faces, if he keeps going up, you have the Weimar Republic. He has to keep printing dollars to pay interest on the deficit. And you wind up printing and printing and putting tremendous pressure now on all ends of the curve, right? So that will really slow the economy if the tenure goes to five because this thing gets out of control. And who's going to buy our paper? And we've pissed off the Chinese. They're not going to be buying our paper. And most countries are pulling back to their borders now with deglobalization. The banks will support themselves. So he risks, this if he keeps going, these academics in Washington, he risks the entire financial stability of the system. You have the IMF and the World Bank telling you to stop raising rates. Because what we do in our little holes in Washington with our Federal Reserve Banks impacts the entire globe's economy. And it's not like it's strong in Europe. But, but so isn't this, they can't afford higher rates. But They're Barry, even worse off than we maybe, are. Maybe this is what we need. But because, it's coming your but, way. Okay, so rate, if rates go way. back down, then we'll say, hey, everything's fine. So we if can he keep... pulls this off, which he has a good shot of doing, actually, of having a soft landing if he stops, he can have a, a, a mild recession is fine. I mean, it'll be fine. You don't destroy all these manufacturing jobs. We, we bring back, we onshore, we, we, get, we, we, we fix supply chains. He'll be, he'll be good. I'd be bullish. If we keep this up, and obviously the political but no, gridlock, but the, and don't focus on things that matter in Washington, I would be... If I'm rates concerned. are higher, maybe we'll stop. That's what I'm saying. If, if we go right back to where you want to go, no, then we'll be I, like, I, okay, I, I well, it's not a trillion in interest. We're back down to $300 billion in interest expense. But if, if we really are spending a trillion yeah, we every year... We should have zero rates, but 2.5% low rate. What, what, how do we rates. finally... What, what, how can we spend on other things if our debt service is, is so high? And it's, if it no, goes we, to $35 we, we, we trillion, need a plan to reduce the long-term deficit. But here, here's a good piece of good news. Healthcare uh, initiatives are going to change the, the, the death rates or incidence of many diseases. And so, so social security, unemployment and benefits, that is probably overstated. We're going to have such incredible medical breakthroughs over the long term. The long over term. The long term and that's a big positive. Rates well, coming down, let me just ask, because you've built up, I think, 115,000 apartments over the last seven years or so. You see rents in your own place coming down? Because you, you guys had some significant so, rent hikes last year. Yeah, we all did. The whole nation did in every market. And of course, I think rents were up like 20% across the United States. It was a pandemic. I don't know what happened. I mean, we, none of us modeled it. It just right. went bananas. The, uh, and it's actually released some pretty nefarious forces now. It's, you have people wanting rent control. It's very politically popular. And I fast forward to Mumbai, go to India, where you have spectacular British buildings that were built by the British that are completely decaying because they put in rent controls. Nobody can increase rents, so nobody takes care of the buildings, so they rot. And you know, the, they, they mean well, but every time you put in rent control, you, do, you, know, you wind up with very bad housing stock. And we have a five million housing shortage. So nobody's going to build affordable housing unless they give you really aggressive tax. And that's the other thing. I mean, he wants inflation to go down, but he, he's killing the construction of single-family homes and increasing the lack of supply. So we need a balance. And, and I'm not saying we want zero interest rates, Joe. We just want a, a positive yield curve that doesn't dissuade long-term investment. So right. companies, I'm buying the two-year. Like, I own it. I never owned any of it. Like, that's not a bad place to hang out. 
for while the world sort of sorts itself out, we figure out if they're going to go over the edge or they're going to be reasonable. And look, this is the fastest increase in rates in history. M2, our money supply, has never been negative in 70 years. I mean, this is a tight, tight financial market out there. Liquidity is tight. I'm not saying that the banks are wonderful, by the way. I, I wasn't picking on the banks. Right. But they got the OCC so on, you just said you all over the, them saying, the stop lending, stop lending, don't grow your balance sheets. So it's not the banks. It's How much the, you got the sitting in? Everyone means well, if you, I assume. A pie chart. How much <laughs> is in the, is in the two-year for you? Pardon me? You said you never touched the two-year before in your whole life. Yeah, but I've moved cash, and, and I've gotten some liquidity and moved it into six months, one year, and two years for a while. I'll come out of it as soon as I think the dust clears. I think you're sort of in a... Well, when's that dust clear? And we keep talking about a recession I, so come John, the end of this John year. So Gray said this thing I agree right. with, which is if you're in business, there's two things you're looking at, both the base rate, which we know the Fed controls, and the spread that we borrow at. The spreads have doubled, too. Right. The first thing that will happen, like triple A's, for example, you, they used to cost you a point, less than a point, over base rates. They're two, or they're double. As soon as people feel like the Fed is done, I think spreads will come in. That will help. You're getting paid too much for triple A's today. And then he'll, he will have to lower base rates because the economy is going to show its... Right. It's going to slow. What you're looking in the rearview mirror, I don't think it's sustainable. And I talked to... Look, you actually, in the 08, 09 great financial crisis, professional and business services lost 700,000 jobs. If you look today, that number's around 400,000 already. So he's getting those layoffs at Google and Alphabet, I'm mean, the same company, uh, Amazon. What went, actually went up in 08, 09 were education and healthcare. So interest rates are not going to impact that part of the labor market, right? They're going to impact construction, manufacturing. And, and so he's, he's got to get, if he wants to eliminate those five million excess jobs mm -hmm. and two or three points, he has to go hard at these industries well, Barry, and I guess knock you on your butt, theoretically. Where I was getting, I, I, now I realize I'm leading almost to the Druckenmiller uh, delivering alpha prognosis for the next 10 years, that we're going to have so much debt service, it's going to be hard to have enough money to invest in the things if, we need to invest the, in to get, to get GDP anywhere above one and a half or two percent. It, that much debt service takes it's up so staggering. much of our expenditures. It's staggering. So is, the, is it our financial assets going to be a tough place to, to live for the next 10 years? So I, I, think, I think the world's, the world will give the U.S. as the reserve currency, if we had a plan we that actually it, paid you know. attention to deficit reduction, if we had any intention of trying to tackle what the government has a, has a trillion one deficit forecast for 2023, it's going to be closer to two trillion. Receipts will be way down because businesses' incomes are down. And this, by the way, this is, you know, it's a rich recession. It's not a recession. It's the recession of the rich. Because they've crushed tech. They've crushed venture. They've crushed private equity. They've crushed real estate. So you're, you're going to see, uh, and you're going to see the interest expense number much higher than they're carrying right now. So it's yeah. probably going to be $2 trillion. Receipts will be lower. Expenses will be higher. But we have the world's reserve currency. Got, if we, you had we get a lot of plan to bring down the deficit, we would have credibility. We'd be okay. Without a plan, we risk... What you're what you're talking about? You can have a plan. We could we can fix this. We there's so much waste and excess spending in government. It's like it's just there's no effort. I saw that latest no pandemic effort. fraud. Did you see what that six hundred? Well, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. I mean, it's a lot of money. And we throw away hundred billion dollars a minute now, and we don't even care. It's like it doesn't mean anything. And we don't we're not that rich, you know. I mean, we're used to be rich. The we'll nation's not rich. Make sure you join us tomorrow. We're over. Oh my God.
And that is Squawk Pod for today. Thanks for listening. Squawk Box is hosted by Joe Kernan, Becky Quick, and Andrew Ross Sorkin. Tune in weekday mornings on CNBC at 6 Eastern to get the smartest takes and analysis from our TV show right into your ears. Please follow Squawk Pod wherever you get your podcasts. We'll meet you right back here tomorrow. We are clear. Thanks, guys. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx.